Okay, uh, welcome everybody to another episode of Breaking Absolutes. Uh, today is kind of a fun departure for me. Um, I've sort of embarked upon this uh, effort to talk to bands around uh, the world from different countries, uh, bands that I think are um, really exciting, doing some interesting things. Uh, I came across a band from India uh, going by the name of Girish and the Chronicles. Uh, you you probably heard Girish's dog there. He's probably getting rid of the dog. Um, really, really great um, new rock band, uh, hard rock band, maybe heavy metal in places. A um, lot of little classic sound uh, in their music, but also some very sort of fresh stuff. And so let me let me frame this up a little bit, and then we'll bring Girish on and talk to him. Um, by the way, before we get rolling, if and when you see this, or if you're watching now. Uh, please subscribe, follow. That helps me sort of uh, justify um, being able to, to, to bring on guests and uh, do this more. Um, I think it's important because, as I've said before, the, the idea here is to try and um, build more audience for this music and for these creators that are build, doing music that still requires them to um, learn their craft uh, and to sort of dig deep on real um, performance technique and passion. And I, I think this music uniquely offers that. Um, so that's my goal with all of this. Um, so a little about Girish and the Chronicles. So um, uh, they're based in uh, Bengaluru in, uh, since about 2013. Um, in 2010, the band was awarded runner-up in the Music Awards Festival, Sunkane uh, Scale. I'll get, I'll get Girish to correct my pronunciation later. That's in Montenegro. Um, the band uh, took part in the Hornbill Festival and were runners up there. Uh, uh, in 2018, the band released a single, Rock the Highway, which was featured on classic uh, by Classic Rock Magazine um, and, their, uh, and their track of the week. <coughs> Excuse me. It was also featured in Rock Magazine's Sleaze Rocks. Um, uh, their first album, Back on Earth, um, had 14 tracks uh, and was r released by UMG. Um, they released a second record with Lions Pride Music, um, and it just made the announcement recently that they'd been picked up by uh, Frontiers Music, um, which uh, makes a lot of sense to me just because of the roster that Frontiers maintains. Uh, and by the way, that's not just, <coughs> excuse me, in the legacy acts, uh, but new acts that they're signing. A good friend of mine uh, who actually sings on my record, was her record is just in the process of launching from uh, Frontiers and is more of a new metal sound. So um, Frontiers is certainly doing a lot of things. Um, so with all of that as a prelude to um, Girish, let's bring uh, Girish on and start talking about him and his band. Hey, Girish, welcome. Hey, what's up? Thank you so much for having me in your show. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, tell us your dog's name. Uh, this, one's, this one is Yuki. Okay. So I named her after a Japanese anime character. Oh, nice. <laughs> <from Naruto. laughs> yeah. It yeah. means snow, snow in Japanese because her uh, dad is a husky. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that makes sense. Um, well, hey, let me, before we get rolling on everything else, tell us just how you've been doing during the lockdown. How's it, how have you managed during these this last year or so? Yeah, um, last year, 2020 was kind of uh, completely shut for all of us. And uh, and we had announced the release of the album in 
2019, right? So we, thankfully, we had already finished a lot of the stuff. And right when we submitted the album and then we kind of started announcing, the whole lockdown started and the whole pandemic news came about. And we, uh, we released it on 27th April, I think. So with Rock and Roll is here to stay. And uh, everything was going fine, except we couldn't tour or anything, you know, yeah. we were just uh, like enjoying, like we were getting a really good response from everyone. And we were really enjoying that. And uh, we uh, like, for me personally, uh, Chris Adler had come to Bangalore for his uh, clinics and stuff. And at that time, so he needed a little group to back him up in his live shows. So. I was giving the vocals and the rest of my band was also giving guitars, etc. And he really kind of uh, asked me if we can collaborate. So I said, yeah, we, so we started something called Firstborn with a group he already had. He was looking for a vocalist. So it was kind of fun. I was doing all that during the lockdown. Basically, it was all about recording and stuff like that. Um, I, and I do want to talk more about that because that's... Um... It's really cool, but I'd like to, for folks who are not familiar with your music, <clears throat> let me kind of just give a broad stroke, and I'll, and this will be for you too, to understand how I experienced the music. So it was a, it was one of the YouTube algorithms, um, you guys popped up, and um, it was Rock and Roll is Here to Stay, uh, which then led me down the rabbit hole of, of some of your other music that I want to also talk about. But here's the things people, I think, should know, at least from my perspective, um, you have a really a distinctive and amazing voice, um, by which I mean I'm, a, I'm also a vocalist, and so I listen both as a fan, but I also listen for uh, other things when I'm, when I'm hearing a vocalist. And with you, you have this control um, that's married to uh, a range that's really unique um, because you can get up into those notes, and you do it with a very powerful sort of classic uh, rock styling. You know, I mean, uh, um, you know, uh, Coverdale with that sort of really, really um, uh, passionate sort of gruffness in the voice and all of the facility in range. So that's the first thing that hit me. But then as I started to, to listen beyond the vocals, what I began to notice is that um, even though you guys sometimes are um, at a high level described as a classic rock band, I don't think that that does justice to the guitar work. Uh, the... Uh, it's um it's when you start to listen to what's going on with the guitar it's it's far more interesting and unique than a lot of the music that generationally um, you sometimes get identified with and then and then if you switch over and start listening to the bass your bass player will come in and I'm sorry I don't know their names off the top of my head your bass player will come in and start doing some slapping in some places and I just that killed me it's been so long since I heard that in a rock tune and it was and it, and but it, w it was always um done artfully and inappropriately for, for the song. And then your drummer just has this huge sound uh, and really knows how to not overplay against the rest of the music. Um, so, I mean, the combination. And then, and then you guys have this um, really uncanny way of marrying different styles uh, into even a, a same tune. So I listened, and it became a fan. It's the reason I reached out. Um, so it leads me to my first question. Uh, and I know you've talked about this before, but because a lot of the folks who listen to me and follow me, uh, I expect me to talk to vocalists about their vocal technique because 
everybody wants to be the singer. Um, tell me a little bit about how you kind of came by your ability. I, I think uh, it's nothing surprising to me because uh, when I was growing up uh, in school, especially, you know, uh, as a teenager, like I had a group of friends who we were all into heavy metal bands like Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, even Man of War, and, you know, later on Megadeth, Pandora, and, you know, all those bands that we generally grew up listening to, right? So uh, I, I just really, really wanted to kind of sing like that, you know? Yeah. And I, I think uh, my the greatest uh, inspiration at that time I, uh, was Bruce Dickinson, most probably, because I really, really, you know, wanted to have that heavy, powerful voice. And uh, although I used to listen to bands like Bon Jovi, and you know, uh, it was one of those years Bon Jovi had released Crush, Aerosmith had released Just Push Play, and Iron Maiden had released uh, uh, Brave New World, right? It was, I think, the same year, like at around the same year. And like it kind of enhanced uh, my whole, Thing more it's it's like these bands are still doing it you know like it was really uh, a huge revelation for me so I started like trying to I started teaching myself how to sing like that like I was very dedicated towards it especially Bruce Dickinson even Bon Jovi uh, Axl Rose uh, so there was a huge variety of uh, voices I was trying out so I guess Slowly, they all started forming uh, a voice of my own, you know, yeah. in a way. So, uh, yeah, but in a way, it's nothing surprising. Uh, yeah, I, I guess a lot of people have gone down that path. So, it, so you're self-taught. Uh, so, you, uh, no formal training, right? No, yeah, self-taught. Yeah. Self-taught. But, um, but the, I read that you know you would you put in the hours. Um, I mean, the a creative principle that I I feel is transferable to any art is um, commitment to doing the work, whether it's playing an instrument or uh, writing a book or, you know, painting um, you do it again and again, you're practicing and you're improving. And I know, I know I read you how much time you would spend um, singing uh, to kind of build this into your voice. And you can hear I, uh, folks who are uh, listening with us today. If you hit uh, Garish's channel, um, He's also got covers that he'll do, uh, and he's, he does a, an Iron Maiden cover that's just amazing. He does a cover of uh, uh, Mile uh, Matijevic, um doing um, She's Gone, I think it is, from Stillheart. Um, yeah, that was that was just crazy. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I was yeah. like, okay, I'm going to do this once, and <laughs> like that's it, you know, and I never after that. <laughs> yeah, he, he uh, he's a guy I hope to talk to someday because he was one of those late 80s vocalists who did things that hadn't really been done and a lot of singers were uh, I, in fact his story a lot of the times is that he would go into bars and um he would get bet 100 bucks he can't hit the note you know and of course he always wow. did um, i mean I, I i can imagine that he's just got an incredible range <laughs> yeah but so he's got his thing but but um i'm really impressed with your voice again because of the the Thanks range so um the the tone that you that you get. Um, it's not easy, I don't think, to be able to hit those notes and to sustain those notes um, while sort of getting that growl in it. 
And I don't mean uh, nothing, not that there's anything wrong with this, but I'm not talking about the um, the sort of death growl that you get in metalcore. Uh, nothing wrong with that. It's a very uh, cool uh, vocal style, but it's different than than the approach you you take, which is I think melody first. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then add a little bit of raspiness to it. And it's something I kind of developed. Uh, it's not like I had it naturally. I think I just wanted to so badly have that distortion in my voice when I used to listen to yeah. uh, singers like Axel Rose, for example, right? And uh, it kind of, uh, I started doing it a lot. And over the years, I think it became a part of me. And now, like, it's just there, you know? Yeah. So I, I think it can be developed too, I guess. Yeah, it did. And it's become your own. Uh, so as much as there may have been influences, you have your own sound. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 100%. Thanks, thanks. Yeah. Let's talk um, a little bit about the songwriting approach for the band. Um, because you guys have this, uh, you have this very distinctive sound that, that definitely harkens back to some of the, m the music from the 80s and 90s, um, but pulls forward el uh, other elements of other subgenres of metal. And I wonder, um, are you guys very intentional about trying to capture some of that or is it just kind of an organic reflection of your tastes? I think it's the latter, yes. Because, uh, you know, when I was in school, uh, and, you know, the bassist is actually my own brother, so we we learned music together. Like, we had a band even when we were kids. And so we were more into the heavy metal side of things, which is like which was more related to the new wave of British air metal and, and later on a little bit of thrash. But uh, whereas my guitarist, he was more into stuff like uh, Van Halen, for example, you know, so he yeah. was more of a, like a, like a sunset strip kind of a guy, you know? Yeah, <clears throat> and yeah. he was in a different region of the state of Sikkim. We are all from Sikkim, a state in India. And uh, it was kind of later on in life, uh, long story short, when we met and we kind of started experimenting. And I think my being kind of totally reflected the, the more darker and the minor side of it. Whereas uh, guitarist Suraj, his style of guitaring was more related to that, that typical 80s, you know, with tapping and whammy bar and everything. Yeah. So we, we kind of, uh, Basically, uh, it's just a reflection of what we love. Uh, you're right in that, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I you know, um, tell me your guitarist name again. Suraj. Suraj. Uh, you can tell him for me, one of the things that impressed me um, as I was kind of going down through your catalog um, is that his his um, guitar solos are, and his even his, um, his verse uh, chord progressions uh, you know, his riffs are unpredictable to me. Um, it's for me, it's, it's, it's always, if I can sort of predict where it's going to go, I start to lose a little bit of interest. Um, yeah, and it would be very, happens. go ahead. I mean, that happens to me as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and I was just going to say, so, um, uh, it would be very easy, uh, if the idea is, or even if it's c coming from an authentic place to, um, you know, build from a base of music that was popular, most popular in the 80s and 90s, to slip into sort of um, mimicry. 
But you guys don't do that. It it feels to me, uh, whenever and th- this is the this is all of you. But when we were talking about your guitar player, um, you know, it was always um, unique. It I, I couldn't anticipate the changes, uh, and that was uh, so delightful as a listener when you, you the music takes you places you don't know. So, um, thanks. Uh, tell well, us. Yeah, it's, it's no. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, the the whole thing. Uh, it's got to do with the fact that uh, like all of us, like Suraj, me, uh, Yogesh, the bassist, uh, we all play a lot of guitars and, you know, we are riffing all the time. And uh, when we are creating songs, you know, sometimes uh, I might just come up with an entire song. I will make a demo and I'll send it to the guys. And, you know, sometimes the other guys do the same. But sometimes we, we just listen to a song and, you know, suddenly I might just... Uh, say like why don't we put this crazy part over here you know? yeah. or or if I have some sort of a riff now Suraj or Yogesh will come up with an idea that like I just couldn't even think of you know so I think that's the factor that's uh, driving us you know we we like uh, surprises you know so we kind of surprise each other so I think it reflects on people as well yeah it does for sure and you know there there are some of your songs that um, scratch an itch like you know rock and roll is here to stay. There's there's I have some questions later I want to talk about that, but it kind of speaks to a feeling that a lot of people who enjoy the music uh, I think feel. So you're tapping into I think an emotional energy or a, um, a a shared you know feeling about and and love for the music. Um, for sure. And that's, that's infectious. Uh, That's why I I wanted to have you on and I want to encourage people to check you guys out. Um, I, I I don't think if people listen to it, they're, I I think that you're going to get fans. Um, Thanks. (laughs) Tell us um, just because a lot of the folks that, that follow uh, this show are uh, domestic, meaning in the United States. Um, Tell us a little bit about the rock scene in India um, just so that we can like have some exchange on what it's like for you. The rock scene has been uh, very uh, turbulent in India. So it was there since the 60s, actually, you know, uh, like bands touring, doing this, that. Uh, but I think uh, it became quite prominent in the 80s uh, when there were a couple of bands, you know, touring about the country, playing covers and stuff. But there was this particular particular band named Rock Machine, okay? So, and MTV had also come to India and they were like the first band who like recorded an album and uh, they kind of, and I had no idea even, I had no idea about the history of Indian rock actually, you know? Me uh, being to, uh, like I belong to Sikkim, which is again, a very far away place from the rest of the country. And like, it's like a small town thing, you know? So, but later on, as we grew up, I got to know about like, you know, how bands evolved in India. And this whole uh, melodic rock, the heavy metal scene was like running parallel to the rest of the world. But uh, I guess uh, it didn't really have a huge exposure or something because of the lack of media. And uh, right now I would say, uh, probably we are the only band who's doing the kind of music we do like it's just which has an 80s kind of a feeling to it but also has a mix of uh you know like you said it's kind of unpredictable you you just don't know what 
what's the next song you know yeah. so but there are a lot of uh, like extreme metal bands there are a lot of uh, heavy metal thrash bands and they're like it's really 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 underground you know yeah. but uh, like there are many videos and stuff on youtube and it's it's yeah it's like that it's it's a mixed bag you know because bollywood is just so big over here yeah. and <laughs> and the language barrier of course because uh, the english uh, listening especially in rock you won't fail right now the pop scene of course rules everything as well <laughs> like yeah, yeah. in any era, era. <laughs> so yeah it's it's very mixed up so the so what in the rock scene then is there an expectation sometimes that the music be in the native language is that what yeah, you're saying a lot of uh, it actually depends on uh, uh, a lot of times sometimes it also depends on region india is like really diverse right so if you look at the northeastern side of india so there is a lot of uh, a, lo- a huge portion of people would prefer rock to be in english if you go towards uh, north- northern india towards the capital there will be like a demand of uh, songs to be more in hindi right yeah. so in south again there it's a very mixed kind of a culture but south india especially bangalore or now it's called bengaluru is uh, home to a lot of like rock and metal bands and and the whole scene of international bands coming to india started with bangalore you know iron maiden and and all these bands deep purple they all started coming to bangalore i guess that's a huge part of why it is like that so um then do you with your songs do you have versions of those in local language do you sort of write them twice so to speak no actually we don't okay. we don't have any such thing because i don't know i've uh, i've never thought in those terms you know uh, i i don't know we just do what we do i guess yeah. <laughs> there's no there's no logic there's no <laughs> strategy or anything like that yeah the only reason i asked that question is i i interviewed uh, a guitarist by the name of rude jolie who plays for within temptation and um uh his one of his early groups um uh they did they were unique in that they only did local language um um so uh, it just made me wonder if you cuz like everything i've heard of course is in english um tell me i was reading uh about something that i i don't know if it's still a part of what you're doing but at one point you were affiliated with the indian council of cultural relations did i, did yeah, I well, read that uh, right yeah yeah that's right it's iccr in short uh well uh, those guys actually just uh, promote the cultural stuff like like the ethnic stuff or like uh, like you said the local language kind of a thing but uh, we kind of just went for it you know uh, it never really kind of helped us in any way but once yeah they they are supposed to kind of send artists uh, abroad you know like once in 3 years 2 years like that and so they said if you guys wanted to do like uh, like a thailand vietnam kind of thing although i don't think the rock uh, <clears throat> i don't know how the rock culture is there really but we just went there enjoyed performed and came back anyway so yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah good chance to get out and do some shows that's cool um yeah, yeah. i uh so i wanted to ask i think you've talked about this but i think it would be interesting for people to know um you had 
uh, Rowan Robertson, former Dio and Bang Tango guitarist, uh, guest on a tune. How did that happen? Yeah, actually, uh, this was also in 2019. <coughs> and, <coughs> excuse me. Well, so he just wrote to me on uh, Facebook. I was like, so surprised. Like, I'm like, how is Robin, <laughs> is, is this a real guy? And, you know, I also read one comment in, uh, in one of her YouTube videos. One guy had uh, commented that I referred you guys to Robin Robertson. So I, I think that was the guy who kind of introduced uh. Uh, him to us. And he said, like, like I really like the vocals. You know, let's keep in touch. And then, you know, like later on, I took the opportunity. You know, like, would you want to feature in one of our songs in the new album? It was, yeah, cool, right now. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's a cool collaboration, for sure. Yeah, thanks, thanks. Um, so here's here's something I've been um, itching to talk to you about. When I listened to your song, Identity Crisis, um, you know, starts out really, really great, really, really strong, anthemic tune, and then you get to this middle section that just becomes a very progressive metal section. Uh, and all of sure, the people sure. who listen to me know that um, that's probably my favorite subgenre inside the broader sort of metal umbrella. So uh, I was, you know, I sat forward like, what? wow, this is awesome. Um, I wanted to ask, um, and that's my, my preface to, uh, I was reading that you guys, between a couple of records, you've had a, like a long period and that you'd been doing a bunch of writing and that you had as many as eight tunes, instrumentally anyway, that were more progressive in nature. Um, I wonder, are, are you guys, is, is that a side of the you that you want to do a bespoke record in? Or is it, and did you put those songs away? Or um, will they just, will, will that just be a style that is also part of who you are and that will come out on records that you write? Yes, I think it'll always be a part of, of, uh, of our records because we really uh, we don't like limiting ourselves to just you know like doing one same thing like it's uh, I think musically we have a lot of uh, and like a <clears throat> like a completely other side to ourselves and we like experimenting in the sense uh, we've always liked bands like Dream Theater right and especially our bassist Yogesh is like the biggest fan of uh, progressive metal you know from all of us and we like ex experimenting with our sounds you know so I, I don't think there's any harm in having a few songs which have a progressive element and even a, a little bit of I don't know what the right term for it is but something that has a movie background score kind of a thing going on at times yeah so we, we love all those stuff and we like uh, introducing such things in our music at times yeah, you can, uh, and those elements are there. Um, the, you know, it can be, to me, it's, when I listen, it's challenging. Not all bands do a great job of introducing progressive sections and getting into and out of them um, in an elegant way. And so when I was listening to Identity Crisis, like one of my happiest moments was when you guys so, uh, I think, elegantly transitioned into and out of a section. And so it made it feel part of the song while still really showing, I think, um, a, a little bit different sensibility of you guys as songwriters. It's really cool. Um, I, like, I, uh, in fact, I sent that link to a bass player friend of mine last night. 
Um, she plays okay. in 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 my group, and I um, I just sent her the link to Identity Crisis. I said, "You gotta listen to this." Um, and she said, "This yes." In fact, I, I hope she's listening. I, I told her we were going to be talking this morning, but okay. um, it's a good one for folks on the on the chat and who are going to see this. Uh, I mean, any any song that I've heard, and I don't, I'm not sure if I've heard everything, um, is a good entryway. But Identity Crisis is a is a song that I think showcases a lot of different sides of the band. So I can recommend that one as a first listen if you've not heard uh, Garish and the Chronicles. We have another. We have another song from the album. It's like a like a power ballad from the 80s. It's called Wounded. While it starts as a power ballad kind of a thing, like a typical, like a heartbroken kind of song, but it also kind of progresses towards this, uh, like a classic heavy metal progressive thing that uh, that the earlier Judas Priest used to do, you know. Oh, nice. And also, and then it has a little bit of gentish stuff there going on, you know. <laughs> so we, we've done such things in that song as well. I, if you guys want to dig it in, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 that one I haven't heard. So as soon as we're done, I'm going to beat that up. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Uh, I was, uh, it was just another, I was already really enjoying the music. And um, then when I, I listened to that song, it just showed me that there's an, at another dimension to the group. Um, and that's, you know, as a, as a fan, that's always, a it's always fun to get to experience that the musicians can take the music into new places. Um, so now I do want to talk a little bit more about the Chris Adler connection. So uh, tell us how, how did that come about that you essentially became the backstop uh, the backing group for his solo tour? Yeah. So the whole thing was starting in Bangalore. So he was supposed to be here just for uh, like a drum clinic, like all over. He had about 15 or 16 uh, gigs lined up where he would be talking about drums, playing some, playing on backing tracks and stuff, you know. So it was more of a, like a drum clinic where he talks about his techniques to upcoming drummers and all. But, you know, every clinic of his, like, <laughs> it's like a concert, you know, people flock in. <laughs> people love him a lot, you know, yeah. <laughs> the metal scene, like, although it's uh, dispersed, but when there's something going on, everyone just comes and like, you see like, wow, <laughs> okay, there are a lot of metal heads in Bangalore so, <laughs> or anywhere. And then like, yeah, so he came up with an idea, it seems with the agency he was uh, in contact with. So their name is Gravity Talents. And uh, so he suggested, why don't we like try finding some musicians uh, back home in India where I can jam with these guys, you know? And uh, so he wanted to do a set of Megadeth and Lamb of God, okay? So uh, I, uh, the first guy he asked uh, in the sense for singing Megadeth songs was me because I was uh, gonna be the singer. I wouldn't have qualified for <laughs> the Lamb of God songs, I guess. But you know, so I said yes, of course, why not? Uh, and he asked me if there's any guitarists and bassists. I can. I said, yeah, you can. Just I can tell my band. It'll be fun, you know. And so we knew a lot of Megadeth songs, like as kids, right? So, so we we were kind of ready for it. And the other guys, uh, uh, like there was one more guitarist and one more vocalist who was uh, gonna do the Lamb of God uh, 
stuff you know it was a crazy like <laughs> set of gigs you know is that a was it kind of a one time thing or is there any talk of actually trying to record something so we did uh, three gigs that time but yeah no uh, so during that tour so he uh, asked he kind of uh, asked me if i was free to do some collaborations like as a singer so i said of course uh, i would love to you know actually i was jumping around <laughs> it's like oh, hell yeah <laughs> and uh, so he made me listen to a demo and i was like well yeah this is really cool so he 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 already had a small group of people with whom he was uh, like kind of you know just messing around with some riffs and all and he had already left uh, the band lamb uh, god and uh, guitarist is myron and uh, james lomenzo is the bassist so like yeah. from white line like that and uh, i was like really excited for this you know and uh, they started sending me some demos and i gave some like rough vocal takes and all and we actually recorded an ep some singles it's out there uh, you know on youtube and this, is, and, this is under the name firstborn yeah yeah it's called firstborn okay. although uh, it was hard for a lot of people to accept it i guess because there's a lot of singing involved a lot of melodies in <laughs> especially you know uh, it's it's expected right <laughs> i'm like what is this 80s guy singing with chris hatler but, but a lot of people enjoyed it too <laughs> yeah that's so funny i i mean I, I everybody's got their opinion about this kind of thing but i um i'm not a fan of the sort of segmentation uh yeah. style segments segmentation you know like um <laughs> Vocal style somehow separates metal fans for some reason. I get taste, um, yeah, yeah. but I, you know, I I listen pretty broadly, um, not even just metal. And I don't know. I I I I find my personal take is I find joy in various art forms. Um, true, true. That's so how it should be. <laughs> yeah. So festivals are great because you get to hear all kinds of different vocal approaches, guitar approaches, true. right? Um, all right. So, uh, so will there be more? Or are you guys that kind of just on hiatus now? The first one. So, uh, we we are already recording a couple of songs. I think we will be uh, releasing one more EP or an album, like by the end of the year, like much before maybe. But we have already begun. Yeah. Like recording. So That's again, exciting. it's going to be a very different kind of a thing. You know, <laughs> it's more. <laughs> Well, I can't explain it. It's it's a blend of uh, heavy metal and a little bit of thrashy, groovy stuff, uh, which involves singing, of course. And you know, <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? It'll it'll be new because it'll it'll be uh, you putting a vocal styling on top of that. I look forward to more of that. Um, okay, so here's here's the question I've been dying to ask you and talk about. Um, uh, well, actually, before I get to that, I want to I, I want to be sure that we talk about your your new record label. So um, uh, you were originally with I had this down. Um, Lions Pride. UM, well, weren't you with UMG before that? Oh, yeah, that was that was back in 2014. So we we wanted to release an album and they were taking some independent bands at the time. Okay. <clears throat> but this was the Indian, uh, you know, the Indian. 
their office the U- UNG office. India you know? yeah. so yeah so it wasn't really related to like uh, like a broad uh, thing okay. it was more uh, limited to <clears throat> the Indian and uh, then and then Lions Pride uh, in who's in Denmark which it has there has to, that can't be a coincidence because um, uh, lead singer for White Lion is from Denmark. Oh wow! <laughs> and they they've got an album named Pride. I don't know. Maybe I maybe I'm drawing false uh, false oh, correlation. I feel that's a really nice <laughs> correlation. <laughs> yeah, Mike Tramp, you mean? <laughs> yeah, Mike Tramp. Who uh, you know? <laughs> okay. He took so much crap, um, you know, as a vocalist, and because they came out in a time when there was. Um, with a lot of the other at the time they weren't using the term hairband. I don't remember that. Okay. Um, I think that was a, a, an appellation that was applied later, almost in a pejorative sense, although the, the communities embraced it now. Um, but he came out in that era. And of course they had amazing success. Vito Brada is still one of my favorite rock guitar players. True. Um, but uh, um, you know, he's still out there pounding the pavement, making music. Um, uh, so I have a lot of respect for, for Mike Tramp, um, so I yeah, don't know if it's totally. I don't I don't know if it's related to the the record label, um, <laughs> but that's in the past because now you're signed to Frontiers. Um, so give us give us that story. Oh well, Frontiers is something. Uh, you know, it was uh, around at around the same time I released uh, we released our first album, uh, two thousand fourteen. So. It was around that time I was like just going around exploring YouTube for similar bands and all, you know. So, and then I came across uh, Winger's new video. I mean, I knew the name Frontiers before, but it was like I didn't know they had a YouTube channel and a new set of albums releasing and stuff. So, I found this new album by Winger. So, it was like I didn't know like Winger had a new album right and this this the name of the song was uh love machine something like that so i i just know the guitar parts everything but and then i discovered the channel i started going through the other uh you know bands and all like i was like i was like wow this would be so cool for gatc you know this is like exactly what we would like want you know as a label yeah so we uh, we started writing to them uh, like we wrote to them a couple of times and then finally in 2018 or 19 they kind of responded yeah we like the stuff you know it's good although uh, i don't think it's happening like right now maybe after you release the next album or something so after we released uh, rock and roll is here to stay I, I we immediately got an email saying that like uh, we are really really uh, impressed with the video and song rock and roll is here to stay yeah. I think we should start talking on uh, like you know <clears throat> signing up and stuff so yeah it was exciting you you guys are um I think a really interesting fit there because uh, and maybe we talked about this a little bit earlier but they have a lot of the legacy 80s and 90s acts which isn't a bad thing. I'm glad there's a, because those musicians are so talented. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. it's one of the sort of, I think, misconceptions about the, the genre sort of at large 
is that it you know th- these are misfits so they're they're sort of musical um um you know ineptitude i hear all kinds of things um which is nothing could be further from the truth um yeah exactly I mean, the guitarists were like crazy and even the singers everyone yeah. was super talented right yeah yeah i mean it, it not that there aren't exceptions to that but um it's a it's a demanding style of music um which which yeah, yeah. you know brings me back to garish and the chronicles because um if you take the time to kind of just listen uh, individually to the players you start to recognize the sort of level of craft that you're each exercising and even inside the genre there's not a lot of there's not a lot of vocalists doing what you're doing or that can do it um and i always fixate there first um because i am a vocalist but there's um when you when you uncover it the group is just is really gifted now i always try and say that that's not sufficient uh you then have to take all of that and write a great song and what i why i was uh wanting to have you on and try and draw some more attention to you is that the music goes from um songs there you just kind of smiling because it's part of a uh, a joke that or a a feeling an idea you share as a as a uh, member of the community like rock and roll is here to say it's like this defiance that you know this is our music it's not going away we love it it's powerful all of those things that we feel as as members and and lovers of of the genre but then you have songs like identity crisis that kind of have something a little bit more edgy to say um go someplace musically very different. I don't want to say serious in terms of somber, but it's um, it's a song that's like got a little bit more of an edge. And so the, the your your music has this um, ability from track to track to kind of evoke different emotions. And not all bands do that, either intentionally or organically. Um, and so I'm again, I, I'm hoping folks that hear this will go and, and check you guys out. I think you are criminally under... Um, recognized in in the United States, <laughs> so uh, I'm 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 trying to help. Um, okay, so I think a lot of it. Yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, just wanted to add. Like, uh, it's also related to the fact that we kind of uh, we we start going crazy when we start writing new songs. You know, like a lot of times, what happens is we just come up with right so okay the song bridge you know solo chorus done you know i i think uh, we we don't like doing that too much you know we we like yeah. focusing on small details like this part here there, there there i mean that's i'm sure that's how the bands in the back in the day used to work like right i mean today yeah. everyone's just sending in riffs sending parts okay done <laughs> the song's over but i think the small small details and parts really matter yeah well i'll use one of your songs as another example that we've talked about as an example of that because in identity crisis there's there's a really cool verse chorus thing then you do this very progressive metal uh, um, interlude that fits perfectly with the song you come up out of it back to some of the stuff we're done then there's a section where you you do these really really impressive screams um, where you're you're up holding these notes really powerful, and then you you go up a little higher, which is always a delight. But then you guys go into a coda at the end, uh, something that isn't a part of the rest of the song. And so yet, yeah. there's yet another moment where you're kind of surprised, and it's cool. Like the song's not not repeating. Um, uh, 
Um, those are those. I think that wins fans because it's um, it's not predictable. Uh, but that's definitely uh, I call them reader cookies. Like when you do that to me, then I am you know you've hit my reader cookie. Um, <laughs> but here, so let me get back to the question I want to ask. So and I know that this has been uh, discussed ad nauseum, but um, some years ago. Uh, Gene Simmons made this declaration about rock is dead. And oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Gene, Gene being Gene, uh, it, you know, it could be, it could very well be that, well, it was certainly him doing publicity. He's a master at that, right? Controversy in, in order to, to start a, a dialogue and draw more attention to what they're doing. Uh, he's brilliant at it. But yeah. um, part of me also wonders if there wasn't something in, in his brain and I don't know if he's ever stipulated to this or if, or if this is categorically untrue, that in saying that it would, it would somehow light a fire under, under those who are still of the community and making the music to prove him wrong. Um, now, the argument is he doesn't need to be proven wrong because Rock's not dead. Um, but he went on to try and clarify his statement, I think, a little bit as, you know, I'm talking about the ability of a new band to make it. Um, established bands, they're of course going to have an audience and blah, blah, blah. So you guys, to bring it back to Garish and the Chronicles, um, I know you've been around for a little while now. It's not like you just formed yesterday, but in terms of sort of cultural consciousness, you're a young new band. Um, but you certainly defy that whole idea that rock is dead. I mean, and it's not just because you're around, like you lyrically and musically seem to be shaking your fist at that idea. Do I, uh, do I have that right? Yeah, I guess so, because <laughs> we just don't like doing anything else, you know, so, like, <laughs> I don't see any point in, like, trying to beat around the bush. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I, why that popped to mind is the very, the song I mentioned earlier, um, this YouTube algorithm showed me Rock and Roll is Here to Stay, and it seemed, in my head, the, the dots I connected, and maybe this is just Peter, um, were, that's an answer to Mr. Gene Simmons, you know, <laughs> false declaration, <laughs> not going anywhere. Now, it, you know, I think it's inarguable that the dominant music on the radio waves and, you know, is, is pop or hip hop or some combination of these others now for sure. Um, and I've actually got a couple of weird ideas, uh, you know, just because it's how my brain thinks of how we change that back to rock and metal. Uh, so stay tuned on that. Not that I think I can do it single-handedly, but I have some ideas. Um, but That's it's far, awesome, <laughs> but it's far from gone. And um, you know, I think this is evidenced by all the festivals uh, that draw such crowds. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, they, not every band does an arena tour, but there's a lot of bands that come through here that play these mid-sized theaters, and they just pack them. Um, yeah. I went to a Camelot show not that long ago. I think shortly before the pandemic and that place was, was just filled. Um, and, and one of the best shows that a middle-sized theater I've ever seen in terms of lights and staging and performance. Um, and so I just, so this question just rings in my head and it just seems to me that bands like Garish and the Chronicles are proving this wrong. Yeah. We get that a lot because uh, a lot of like comments and, you know, emails saying that thank you for keeping rock alive and all that like the thing is we we really don't have any such agenda or something we are yeah. more like this this is all we want to do yeah. <laughs> that, that's it it's simple you know and 
I don't know whether it's dead or alive. Like, like I don't, we don't care, right? I mean, yeah. we just want to do this. That's it. And, and who knows, uh, Mr. Gene Simmons' uh, statement might have, you know, have had an unconscious, like, effect on us, <laughs> which might have resulted in the song. You never know. <laughs> because I specifically remember that uh, statement, you know. I think we all do. Like, yeah. uh, what, what is he talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it... Uh, it, it was patently false because, um, you know, even if it's not the dominant and even if it's harder uh, in some ways or different to break in, none of that's gone away. And, um, you know, your your I think your approach is correct. Um, you're not trying to do it. You're not trying to change the world and become successful because of Gene's statement. Uh, you come by this because of your love for the music. And that shows through in the, in, in the songs. Um, Hundred percent, hundred percent. Thanks. So, um, with our last few minutes, let's get some um, updates. So, future plans. Tell us about what's next for uh, Garish and the Chronicles. We are already in the process of recording the next album. Uh, we are having, we are facing a lot of challenges because of the new lockdown again, mm. uh, the the new variant, and it's, it's been bad over here. Uh, but uh, like some of us are getting vaccinated thankfully and we're hoping to like you know we're hoping that this gets over soon and we can resume the album but uh, yeah it should be uh, as far as i know it should be next year but, uh, like i cannot yeah. say for sure there's, okay. there's a date or something so so and, yeah no go ahead go ahead yeah that, that, that's about it yeah for the band. um so would it be fair to say that you guys are kind of just in your individual homes doing some songwriting. Just um... yeah, uh, just before this new lockdown, we kind of met for one or two months, and we uh, made uh, demos, like some ten, eleven songs, okay. and uh, like it was all based on riffs that we were already working on, like while we were writing the the album "Rock the Highway" as well. You know, a lot of, there was there were some riffs that. We kind of left off right so we started like tapping on those again we yeah. found some really good ones you know and then we made some new ones like about five to six of them so it's it's sounding great to us so far and but yeah you know the whole process of like doing the detailed work and then later on mastering mixing and then it's the solos like, yeah <laughs> that's the that's the part where it will take a lot of time i'm just worried you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's a long process anyway and then to be frustrated by the uh, lockdowns, which just make the logistics challenging. Um, I did forget to ask you, uh, lyrically, um, you know, you guys kind of treat some of the subject matters just really lighthearted and, and fun, and some of it um, a little edgier. Are you, do you take responsibility for most of the lyrics, or is that a shared responsibility in the band? It's mostly me, I guess. Uh, but, yeah, you know, sometimes we do... Like especially those fun kind of songs we uh, we might do together most of the time. Yeah, it's because uh, I generally you know we kind of uh, even if we are together making music. Suppose I feel like recording a verse, I would I'll just lock myself in the room. I'll record a verse. I'm like, what do you think, guys? You know? And then we kind of talk over it. You know, maybe we can do this that. Yeah. But yeah, mostly it's me. And it's it's mostly a lot of personal experiences or some 
sometimes you know there are some really bad things happening that i might not be able to <clears throat> be vocal about in social media or wherever you know yeah. because uh, it's not always safe to talk about something and you know it's better to channel it out on a song <laughs> you never know who's coming after you <laughs> <laughs> uh that's funny and i 100% understand what you're saying um we kind of live in an interesting climate where um, an opinion on in, in on any ideological line can be really divisive, sure. right? And and potentially put some of your audience at arm's length. Um, um, no more than the audience, you know. Uh, the whole concept of true freedom of speech does not really exist everywhere. I would say, you know? yeah, it's it's just uh, like uh, like even I I feel like unsafe at times you know it's like crazy to even be in that situation so you know <laughs> yeah it's, it's kind of like that yeah. i you're exactly right like the freedom of speech is not a global human right um and um and so channeling that and you know finding poetic um ways to you know say those things with passion um music's a great All outlet that. Sorry, although, although I'll clarify that, like, of course, there is freedom of speech, but the thing is, uh, you know, there are some, some topics and stuff that you don't really want to say it aloud because uh, at an individual level, you, you just don't know who's going to take offense and it often leads to something really, really bad. You know, if, yeah. if, if it's a huge celebrity or someone, like a huge actor or someone, they might they might be safe doing all that, you know, but I, I fully feel like it's not really <laughs> that safe. You know? No, I, I know what you mean. I've, I've written songs myself where um, I used the poetic license of the lyrics in the song to express feelings and opinions that um, I know aren't globally shared. And I found an artful way to do it. And then when I get to perform that song, it's very cathartic. Um, so I, I think I kind of understand what you're saying. Um, um, in either case, we'll be watching your lyrics to see what you can, what's in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> I was just lying. <laughs> That's what Girish meant. Get him. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. <laughs> okay, well, um, my last question before we sign off, I always like to ask my guests, and that is um, outside music, and we, we, we really understand, I think, now how, how passionate you are about being a musician and the music you make. But outside music, do you have interests, um, whether creative or otherwise, that um, things you intend to do or hope to do when you have time or that you do to, to wind down? I personally like, uh, really love, like, using the camera. <laughs> I just hang out with my camera all the time, and. I like taking pictures and some videos and stuff. And actually now it's helping us, uh, like the band as well, you know, <laughs> now yeah. we just, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, that's right. We, we, like it's, it's like a DIY kind of a thing. Most for us, like most of the time, you know, it's like, it's always like that. <laughs> well, keep at it. Um, the imagery is in fact, my next guest, we're going to talk about, uh, imagery. I think to a large degree, it's a, I think it's a really important part of the whole culture. Um, all right, Girish, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. 
Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And um, I will include links wherever this goes uh, to your, um, you want it to your band website? Is that the best place to point people? Yeah, yeah. Or, or YouTube channel. YouTube, YouTube channel. channel Maybe a YouTube really channel. Good idea. Okay. Yeah. Um, and we'll stay in touch, man. Um, you take good care. Keep safe. And we'll be watching for new videos that you say you guys are working on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks a lot. All right. Stick on, stick on the line, and I'll uh, play the outro, and then uh, we'll close it up. <laughs>